Man, you got to turn those things off. I know. Do not disturb. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 156. I'm Brian Shealy. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We are continuing in our guided study session talking about what is good. And I think this one really hits the nail on the head for me recently. And that's where we're going to talk about rest. I love thinking about rest. I love thinking about taking a nap right now. But rest isn't all about sleeping, though. Yeah, there's a lot to this subject in Scripture. Yeah, whenever Jesus says, uh, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest, he wasn't just offering a nap. I think there's a, <laughs> there's a lot more to that. Yeah, and so as we begin this conversation, we're going to go back to a conversation starter video that we dropped not too long ago. And that episode was called Stop. This is what's good. Stop. When I ask someone, how are you? They often answer, busy. When did that become our standard reply? We glorify long hours and exhaustion as badges of honor, as proud of our lack of sleep as our results. How bad is it? For some, it's deadly. A recent study found that overworking kills three quarters of a million people yearly. In Japan, they have a word for it, kuroshi, death, from overwork. Our last session celebrated work, but that's not all God wants for us. Sometimes we need to stop to appreciate his gifts. Here's the big idea. Work is good, but God also created us to enjoy the sweetness of rest. We serve a God who rested. Remember Jesus napping in the boat or saying, come away and rest a while for they had no leisure. Mark 6 and verse 31. God valued rest so much he required work to cease one day a week. Must have seemed shocking to a group of slaves. We take a day of rest for granted, but it wasn't always this way. The Sabbath was a shadow of Christ, but it reminds us God wants us to rest. As Jesus said in Mark 2 verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're valued for more than what we produce. And our work isn't as important as we think. Life goes on without us getting stuff done for a while. As we read in Psalm 127 verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. We can have sweet sleep, trusting God to keep us. But rest isn't just something we do. It's our security under God's rule. It's a mindset we cultivate, waiting for a greater rest. Because even now, those who come to Christ rest in him. So here's the big question. What do you learn from God's desire to give us rest? So follow along with these guided studies at biblegeeks.fm good, and may the Lord bless you and keep you today. Shalom. Yeah, so I love that big idea there where we're sort of coming off the heels of this last conversation that we had about work. And the big idea was work is good, but God also created us to enjoy the sweetness of rest. And today I was actually just thinking about this. We were recently remodeling our backyard and so we're needing to put some furniture out there. And today I was building Adirondack chairs in my living room and I'm like putting them all together. Of course, there's assembly required here. So I'm putting these chairs together and I'm working really hard. And it just seemed kind of ironic to me that I was working so hard to build a relaxation device to put in my backyard, <laughs> like sitting in these chairs. <laughs> I spent more time today actually building the chairs and working than I did sitting in the chair. 
So I guess maybe I should have taken my own advice here about rest. Work is good, but man, that chair, it's waiting for me right out there. (laughs) That is a good metaphor, a good analogy (laughs) for something we're going to talk about later, I think. I think so. In the creation story. But that leads to the big question that we talked about, which was, what do you learn from God's desire to give us rest? It's a really beautiful question, actually. And I think what I take from God's desire for us to have rest is that there is more to life than getting things done, which which is hard (laughs) to remember sometimes. I, I think it was this Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, that first got me thinking about what the Sabbath would have communicated to a nation of former slaves. Yeah. And we brought that up in the conversation starter. As a slave, you're a tool. Right. Your worth is entirely measured by how much you could produce. And now you're commanded to just cease production for a whole day every week. And so God is telling them that they are redeemed from slavery. And now they serve a different kind of Lord. And of course, that's the Lord that we serve. And we want to produce fruit for him. But there's more to life than producing. He wants us to be blessed, to love him and be loved by him and to rest in him. As somebody who is deeply connected to my to-do list and getting things done is a book that I have definitely thought a lot about. GTD. Yeah, exactly. Like the fact that God wants us to have rest, I think definitely sheds a lot of light and colors the way I view work, which is, I guess, what this whole episode is about. So before we get into the conversation too far, let's kick this thing off with an icebreaker question, maybe lighten the mood ever so slightly. What's your favorite thing to do for relaxation? How do you like to rest? Yeah, I think for relaxation as an everyday activity, I I like to do the crossword. I like to just sit down with my morning coffee almost every morning. I do the New York Times crossword. And I think the reason it's relaxing is just because it is an accomplishment that has no real value. (laughs) And so my brain is signaled that for these few minutes, I am off duty because I am not producing anything by getting that answer right. It it has no value. And so it doesn't matter so much. The stakes are not high and I can relax. I think that's Wordle for a lot of people. Uh, That seems to be a real Well, I do the Wordle as as part of that too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on the New York Times app there. I'm thinking about for myself how when it's a little bit warmer, outside that I love like floating in the pool. Like if I have to think about a a way that I would want to sit and relax, it's probably sitting completely flat, floating at the top of the pool, just staring up at the sky. That's a big recharge moment for me. Kind of just float around and not really accomplish anything. You know, you're not swimming, you're not, you're not exercising, you're just floating. Maybe getting a little too sunburned, but definitely one of my favorite things to do to relax. Yeah, water is uh, is kind of the ultimate relaxation oh, yeah. setting, whether it's <laughs> yeah, just sitting by the water or I, we, I like to kayak sometimes. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a little bit too much like work, floating. Though, right. Well, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't actually go hard or, go, you know, it's sure. just sort of just just getting out there. Nice. But uh, yeah, just being in the water, always relaxing. All right, so let's get into the next part of this episode here, and that is like the teacher. So we're going to go to a passage where we learn something about Jesus, and that is in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32, a story where Jesus talks to his apostles and offers them something that you might not have expected him to offer. Yeah, you set it up well, so I'll jump right in and read it. 
It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So what do you take from this example of Jesus and his direction to the apostles? I almost wonder why this story is here. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like this is an important moment. Kind of like you were talking about about the crossword puzzle. It's like, what (laughs) benefit does this actually serve? Like, Jesus is not producing anything here. He's not doing anything. This is not one of the big activities that Jesus is involved in here. It's like, why is this story here? Why does Mark include this detail? Is Jesus, like, being lazy? Is this Jesus, like, kind of shirking his responsibilities? Of course not. I mean, that's that's definitely not what's going on here. I think Jesus, more than anyone else, understood what life was all about. And he understood how it was important to work hard, but also rest hard. And of course, there's going to be a long road ahead for him and his disciples here. And so going 100% right now is really not going to do anyone any good. If they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, he needs them to know, like, you got to pace yourself. This is not a sprint This is a marathon here. I'm struck with this refreshing view of how Jesus approaches his disciples here, especially in light of like some recent developments with like billionaire CEOs of social media companies who like email and and communicate to their teams that like we are going to basically kill ourselves to deliver the best products. And like if you've ever worked in a company or technology company, it's crunch time is like a really big thing that like draws people in and it's it's really tempting to think that like oh okay all the time needs to be crunch time sometimes yes it's important to push sometimes it's important to pull the all-nighters but if you function that way all the time you're in for a really sad realization when you just burn out fizzle out and jesus is really trying i think here to keep his disciples from doing that yeah, work hard, rest hard is what they're supposed to do. That sounds like a t-shirt. Yeah, right? I, I think that, that goes well with what I was seeing here. Two things, really. One is, like you said, it's sandwiched between these two periods of intense work for Jesus, but also but the disciples. The disciples have just gone on this mission, and now they're coming back, and then it's about to get crazy right after this. Yeah. But then also... It's with Jesus that they're doing this rest. Sure. So yeah. rest between these work periods, but rest with Jesus. So rest is a good thing in itself, but it's also a necessary part of fruitfulness in Christ. And lots of studies have shown that there's there's a, a time when there's diminishing returns on how far you push harder, you know, into your 70-hour work week or whatever, that that rest actually improves our productivity. Right. But more importantly for us, Jesus exemplifies that. He shows us that. And then, like I said, this idea that they go away to be alone with Christ and to rest. And to be a disciple is not only to learn from Jesus, but to be with him. And obviously, we can't be with him like they were, but he abides in us. We abide in him. We're his disciples, we're his learners, we're with him. And for a disciple, true rest lets us recuperate from our work, but it doesn't mean getting a break from Jesus. Yeah. We we carry him with us. It doesn't mean every spare minute is spent in prayer or Bible study, though those are our good, restful, you know, restorative activities sometimes. 
but he is the reason we have peace, why we don't spiral in anxiety and fear and guilt, because we abide in him. And so we can drop our guard and we can live with joyful security. And so we rest with Jesus in between periods where we're working with Jesus. Yeah, I think that's so cool. I hadn't even really thought about that, honestly, until you brought that up. And it's like, yeah, Jesus could have said, hey, go take a vacation and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. But it was actually come and be with me. Yeah, we're going to go rest together. Jesus doesn't have a relationship with us only when we're producing for him. But I think in this case, right. he also wants to be with us even in those quiet moments. Like that is still productive for Jesus. That is still a useful thing that he wants to be with us, near us, and have that presence. I, I think that's a cool way to think about how he approaches his disciples here. All right, so let's get into our next segment. And that is, what's the deal with that? So we're going back to Genesis here in the earliest record of God creating everything and the work that is being done as he's just speaking a word and all these things are coming into existence, which is amazing. But then in chapter two of Genesis, verses one to three, he rests and God completing this week-long work in that final day, that Sabbath day, where he dedicates that to rest. Do we really understand what's going on there? What is the deal with God actually resting? What's the deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I thought uh, I would start here, since it's World Cup season, with a soccer analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I used to watch, you know, whatever, a half hour of soccer. And if there were no goals, which happens more often than you might think in a half hour of soccer, I think, oh, this is so boring. Nothing is happening. And now I've started getting into soccer a little bit and I realize how to watch it. And there's more going on if I, if I pay attention and I understand what I'm looking at. Well, when you read the creation story, it's easy to overlook day seven and emphasize all the rest because it seems like nothing is happening here, like yeah. that half hour of soccer. But to understand the seventh day, we need to understand what's going on, like, like understanding soccer, right? We need to understand that all of Genesis 1 is a temple story, which temple stories, not a genre I tend to read at night. But, but back in those <laughs> days, if a pagan told a temple story, then at the end of building and furnishing the temple, an image of the god you know, an idol would be placed and the God would come to rest in the temple. But in this story about the true and living God, the image placed in the temple is man made in his image. And if the story stopped right there, we might be confused. Well, is the climax of the story mankind dwelling in this great creation? No, the climax is when he ceases his work, settles in and rests. Mm -hmm. And that's what Two of the verbs in Genesis 2, those first few verses there, mean to cease and to settle in. Unlike the other days, unlike day one, the first day, the second day, the seventh day, those words, the seventh day is repeated three times here in these few verses, emphasizing it as the climax. So I want to take us to another verse in Isaiah 66 and verse one, just to, to set the tone, set this idea of this as a temple story. It says, Isaiah 66 verse one says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? rest? <laughs> and when a, when a God rested in a temple story, it wasn't because he needed a break, but because he's enthroned there. 
He rests there. He sits on his throne and puts his feet on his footstool there. And think about when Jesus accomplished all his work. What did he do? He sat down, right? He sat down at the right hand of God, not because he was tired. He sat down to rule. Right. Uh, he, he was resting from his labor, but he, was, he, he had completed it, and what he had to do, and now he's sitting down to rule over his kingdom. And he's still at work. You know, this is a story about God creating a world and then entering it to share time and space with his creation. It wasn't a 24-hour pause in God's work. God didn't have a cycle of work and rest like the Sabbath cycle after that is going to commemorate this. But God wasn't like, okay, I'm stopping for 24 hours and then back at it for six days. And then I'm gonna... it wasn't like that. Literally, the chapter of creation is done, right? Chapter one ends and it's like turning a page. He starts a new chapter. Yeah. So he blesses the day after he made everything. This is still part of the creation story. But when we get from, from day six to the seventh day, now God rests and he blesses the day. He's sanctifying time. He's just blessed all of the rest of creation. Now he blesses this day. And without getting too much into it, it's if you think of the world, God made a good world and he made it as his, his footstool, as, as this temple story. But within that, there was the Garden of Eden, which is like a special area, even more sac- a sacred area. And later on, there's the temple that Solomon makes, a special area. And the Sabbath is kind of going to be like a, a, as it commemorates this period, Sabbath is going to be like a special temple in time. You know, it's, it's marked off as a day to the Lord. But the idea, I think, of this whole story that we need to get is that he's now in a new day. The seventh day was a beginning, a seventh day of completion when he can look on what he made and dwell with his creation. And it's, it's really a beautiful idea when you think about it, a really powerful idea about, about God's presence. And God is the one who is building something for his own rest at the end of it, <laughs> which is really, really cool. It's not just for us. It's for yeah. us, but it's for him to dwell with us. Exactly. That is, he is like establishing himself there among the people. And that's sort of this like ceasing and stopping, settling in. I like that thought in this verse. But, you know, as I was thinking about this story, obviously back to Genesis 2, thinking about how God is really setting up for us a view of him. This is the first time that we see God in action and he's creating, he's making, he's thoughtfully and skillfully building everything that we've ever seen and know. And then the very next or last thing that he does in that story is to stop. And I think it's helpful for me looking back to the story, like, why is the seventh day there? I think it, like you talked about it, it it represents his presence with us, settling in with us, basically establishing himself among us. But I think then, too, it shows us that we can trust God, that he is going to provide for us a rest with him someday. Mm -hmm. He's a God who knows and understands how to rest. And here's what I was thinking. Okay, so I used to work at Starbucks back in the day, and I worked with a guy who was a Mormon. And that may just seem totally incongruous with what you know of that faith. And the fact that he did not drink coffee, like the guy worked at Starbucks. I'm sure nobody in his family appreciated what he was doing, but like he worked there, but he did not drink coffee. Now, 
<laughs> would you trust a guy to make your macchiato who like has no idea what the thing <laughs> tastes like? It's like having a vegetarian making you a steak. It's not really going to make a whole lot of sense to you. And if God was a God who worked, 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 and then never rested, would you really trust that God is, a, is the kind of God who can actually provide us with rest someday, like that internal mm. rest? Would you mm-hmm. think that God knows what it's like to rest? And I think what God is showing us here is that, of course, he knows how to rest. He knows how to stop. And he knows how refreshing and rejuvenating something can be. And, and we actually see this word in Exodus 31. We see the word refreshed used talking about this creation account. He says, it is a sign between me forever with the people in Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And again, it's sort of that could be settling in. It could be that idea of rejuvenation. This word is again used in the Hebrew later on to talk about how David would come to the Jordan and after just a long journey, would just find refreshment there at the Jordan. And made in God's image, God knows how to offer refreshment. He knows what refreshment is all about. And so when in Hebrews chapter 4, we see the Hebrew writer talking about this Sabbath rest for the people of God that remains, this time that's coming in the future in heaven someday, he says, for whomever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So we're just following in God's image. We're following in God's footsteps. When, when we're pushing toward that final rest someday, we know that God, God knows how to rest and he knows how to provide us the most amazing rest that we could ever imagine and think about. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The, God's creation was not a perpetual project, right? It was going somewhere. It had a completion. It had a stopping point. Mm-hmm. And when he, st- when, when he got done with his project, he stopped and he enjoyed his creation. Yeah. He enjoyed, he settled in to being with his, you know, it, it was, it was made for him and for us to enjoy. And, uh, and, and I, I like that idea of bringing that back to, to Hebrews. You know, Hebrews 4 talks there about the rest that Joshua was bringing to the people. Oh, yeah. And the, the Sabbath rest for the people of God there this idea of the rest that they were going to enter in is about going to the to the land of Canaan which God promised Joshua and and all the people in Joshua 1 and at the end of the book of Joshua that he's going to provide for them a place of rest and that doesn't mean again that they were going to to not serve but they're going to be under the refreshing Mm-hmm. ordered presence and rule of God. This journey that they're on is not going to last forever. This wilderness place of striving and and having to worry where they're going to be and what's going to happen. They're going to be able to settle in and like I love that word. They're going to be refreshed by the blessings of God. All right. So let's move forward to our natural conclusion here at the end of this episode and that is our reach out question. <laughs> Okay, so our reach out question is, Brian, what keeps you from enjoying downtime? (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I I don't think it's going to be any surprise. Uh, you, You probably could already guess it if you know anything about me. And it's just the amount of notifications and connectivity 
that I constantly have in life. Man, you got to turn those things off. I know. Do not disturb. For sure. <laughs> and I, I do such a good job at that, honestly. Like, I try to do that more and more these days. But let me tell you, I know they're there. <laughs> like, I know the notifications are there. Like, that's what makes it so hard for me to disconnect sometimes. It's like, yeah. yeah, I turn the notifications off. I power down my phone. But in the back of my mind, my brain is sitting there thinking, like, what if someone needs me? You know, like, <laughs> what if something is happening? Like, it's funny to think about how, like, Batman could not go save Gotham City in the middle of the day because he'd never see the spotlight up in the sky, right? <laughs> like, he can only do his work uh, at it. night. So, like, you wonder is the spotlight up there and I just can't see it right now? <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, I think for me, the reminder in this conversation starter that's been really helpful, though, is that phrase, our work isn't as important as we think. Life goes on without us getting stuff done for a while. And like, I need to put that on a sticky note on my forehead and just think about that all the time. My work is really not as important as I think it is sometimes. And things are going to get done, even if I just stop and take a break for a little bit. Like, it'll be there when I come back. And yeah. it's just something that keeps me from enjoying that downtime is thinking like all the stuff that's piling up while I'm relaxing. It is, it is. I mean, if you know there's something that you probably, you know, you can never get everything done, of course. The, oh, yeah. the to-do list always is piling up. But if if you feel like, I, I really probably should do this thing, there's just no relaxation going to happen. There's no, no downtime. Sure. So you got to just do it. But whenever it's just this nagging thing, I guess your answer is more similar to mine than than I might have thought when I saw the words connection and no- notifications, because you said something like, what if somebody needs me? <laughs> and that's kind of where what keeps me sometimes from enjoying downtime is I have this instinct to try to make sure everyone around me feels taken care of, heard, valued, which I guess sounds like a good thing, kind of like wanting to take care of the work that's out there sounds like a good thing. Sure. But it sometimes leaves me staying on, quotation marks, mm-hmm. on when I'm with people. And I guess I'm slowly learning to figure out when it's okay to just settle in with people so that I don't have to feel like I need to be alone to really drop my guard. Because I, I love people. I love people more than anything on earth. I Christians, I, of course, my family, I just love people. But I can leave a lot of interactions feeling completely drained just because of that instinct that I have. So I'm thinking about this takeaway that you had from the, <laughs> from the conversation starter and seeing how I can apply that. I, I do feel like I am not as important as I might think and what I can contribute to people. I can exaggerate, you know, like we we start to think that what we're here to do is so important and I can drop my guard. I think about Jesus in that example we read earlier and how everybody needed something from him. Yeah. And he actually <laughs> was important. He actually did have something that could change their lives. And uh, he still was able to just kind of settle in and be present with his disciples. So, so what you're know. saying is that people keep you from enjoying downtime. That's what I'm hearing here. Then I'll tell you the truth. My that was my first answer. I was like, "That's not right, dude. Back <laughs> it up. You're doing this." <laughs> no, it it totally is though. Like I have sometimes caught myself when I am like super comfortable with somebody, and like you were saying, like you don't feel like you have to 
entertain them or satisfy them or like you're on quote unquote with them, like you said. But I've found myself able with certain people just to sit and be totally quiet and just not say anything and know that it's not awkward, like know that it's not a strange thing and people are feeling tense about it. It's just like there doesn't need to be anything said. Like, let's just take this time together. And you almost wonder, thinking about back there in Mark, you think about when they went off together into a quiet place to spend some time together, Jesus and his disciples. What did they do? You know what I mean? Like, what did they do? Did Jesus teach them while he was out there? Like, I mean, of course he was teaching them by his actions, but like, was he on while he was there refreshing himself while he was there resting with them? I don't know. That's such an interesting thought. Like when Jesus was with even his closest disciples, how did his interactions change? I love that idea. I, I just have this really rich picture now in my mind of sitting there doing nothing with Jesus. <laughs> That's right. How great would that be? Or small talk yeah. with Jesus. Well, even and just the, having a piece of bread with Jesus and sitting there looking at the stars or something. Even like nearing the crucifixion, even as Jesus just just wanted his disciples to be nearby. Like you don't even need to be doing anything or helping me out in any way, but like just be near me. Jesus didn't always want his disciples to be like doing some big dog and pony show or like, you know, being super active all the time. Like sometimes he just wanted them to be near him and nearby. Like, I'm sure that's that's Mm -hmm. what that interaction was like when they went off to go go rest for a while. Well, that is the most restful picture I've imagined (laughs) in a long time. (laughs) Well, that's really good. Yeah, Yeah. Awesome. All right, so let's get into our final challenge here for this week. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. And that challenge this week is to give someone you love a break. And I think this is one of these things that we've been talking about on these episodes back and forth a bit. You know, it's not just about you. It's not just about embracing these good things that God has given to us, like work and rest and nature and all these things. Sometimes it's also about seeing these things or acknowledging them in other people, or like this challenge calls us all to do, doing something kind for someone else so that they can experience the goodness of God. Yeah, what a great way to celebrate rest. (laughs) It's reflecting the heart of Christ, right? By finding someone who could use a break and just helping them. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is a spouse or a parent. Sure. But it could also be someone in the church, a neighbor, a coworker. Maybe you find something they usually handle and let them know, hey, I'm going to take care of that for you this week. Babysitting, always a good way to give a parent <laughs> or a young couple a break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just speak from the experience. And, and I guess if we're creative, we could come up with all kinds of ways. But the goal here this week is to encourage someone, take a breather, enjoy the gift of rest. Yeah. As much as we enjoy rest, and to to receive that gift from someone else, more blessed to you. give. Hey, there you go. I love it. Uh, so let's do that challenge this week. I'm excited about that one. And let's close this thing out with a closing prayer. And the suggested prayer in the study guide this week is, Holy Father, grant me the time to pause and reset like Jesus did. And that goes back to Matthew 14, verses 22 to 23, where Jesus himself goes off to be alone for a while by himself. And so asking God for these opportunities, I think is always something that that can help lead us into these good things. So let's go to God in prayer. Holy God, our lives 
seem so busy all the time. Between our jobs, families, our churches, and our communities, we know that all of those things are blessings from your gracious hand. And we thank you and we praise you for your work that you enable us to do in those relationships. But as we see your great demonstration of Sabbath, as we look to Jesus going to quiet places alone, please, Lord, grant us the time to pause and reset ourselves. Help us to be on guard for burning out and leaving ourselves without margin. Go before us and lead us to renewal and refreshment in quiet moments today. And when our schedule begins to fill up and we leave ourselves feeling frantic, we ask you to remind us of the peace that we'll experience someday above. Thank you for helping us be healthy human beings here on this earth, without vices, without addictions, without distractions. We ask that you keep our pride in check, that we might not put our accomplishments on display to receive praise from other people, but that we will focus on being the kind of humble servants of yours that prioritize our own health and our own well-being in addition to doing the things that you'd have us to do. We love you, and we thank you for giving us hope to leave the hardship of this life to be with you in that sweet rest forever. And let that day, let that rest come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as we look ahead to our fourth guided study session Number four. in our What's, What's Good series, <laughs> the subject of that study will be our talents. So now we're thinking about how we can serve the Lord in all of the unique ways that, that uh, he's given us the ability to do. And as we prepare for that conversation, we encourage you to read Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48, Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, and 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. I think, of course, when we're talking about good things that God has given us and the gifts that he's allowed us to have, it seems natural to talk about talents, right? Like, what good things has God given to us? Well, he's given all of our skills and abilities and the unique ways that we can serve and be creative. And this is really just a, a really cool thing to think about. So over the next week, as we get ready for that episode, I'm kind of excited to think about just how God has enabled me and everyone around me with all the various skills and abilities that we can use to work for him. It's cool. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about the good things in your life, they're all from God, but some of them are from God through his image bearers that he's blessed with with talents, right? Oh, yeah. Through somebody invented the devices that we're we're using to talk to each other and record this because uh, God gave us the wisdom and the ability and and the morality and the creativity and all the things that he blessed humanity with in order to be able to make a difference in unique ways in this world. Cool. It's going to be fun to talk about. All right. So this has been episode 156 of the weekly podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at biblegeeks.fm slash 156. Be sure to check out our daily download videos. They are still probably going out or they are already out depending on when you hear this episode. They're on our website at biblegeeks.fm slash good or on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I think they're even on Twitter. Who knows anymore if Twitter is going to be a thing. But <laughs> as we think about the future, we thank you all for getting involved in these guided studies. And if you want to download the study guide for this series, please go to our website at biblegeeks.fm slash good. All these things are completely free and you can use them however you want in your own studies, on your own, with a friend, with your church, whatever you want to do with them. 
they are yours. And thank you again so much, everyone, for tuning in. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Hello.